0: All right, tonight we have the book of Ephesians, and uh, after looking at the book, Colton and I made the uh, pastoral decision uh, to turn this into a two-Wednesday uh, night study just because we don't want to be rushed on this uh, incredible book of Ephesians. This is one of Paul's prison epistles. It is got some of the richest uh, mm-hmm. theology uh, from his hand, and so we want to... Just didn't want to rush it, wanted to, wanted to slow walk it, so we're going to go through chapter three tonight uh, in the doctrinal part, and then the practical part we'll go through next Wednesday so, night. So. Some
1: might say that it's deep, wide, long, and high, you know? Anybody? Any takers? No? Okay. Man. And he's being creative already this evening. We hadn't even started. We're trying. We're trying. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. He ate his Wheaties this morning. I did. Uh, so, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of Ephesians. We'll probably uh, reference the Scripture uh, several times. There's a lot of passages that we're going to look through tonight, and we'll try to kind of walk through, just have your Bible open, and we'll, we'll, we'll go to it from time to time. Um, we'll do prayer requests at the end like we always do. And um, so, is everybody doing okay tonight? Everybody feeling good? Have a good day. Got some, uh, got some okays out there. Got, yeah, some, got uh, some smiles. Jack was saying how happy he was that he saw something orange in the sky today. What was that? The sun. I mean, my goodness, it has been raining. Uh, Monsoon seems like for level. Two, two weeks. So, <clears throat> All right. Half, <laughs> all right. So Ephesians, as, as you know, uh, those of you on live feed, hello. I hope you're tuning in out there. It's good to see you tonight. Uh, Shelby Hazard, Colton Easer, Parkway Baptist Church. We got another staff member back there. Uh, Clayton Pruitt's got our got our kids, and Carol mm-hmm. uh, Tomlinson has our children. Uh, this is the book that we're doing in the adult study, and the youth the youth uh, they are doing kind of a everybody else is doing kind of a scaled down version of this. It is a survey of all the books of the Bible. I believe we've uh, we've kind of paced out the re- and we'll we'll go through the rest of the year I think into about January and then we'll be finished and then we'll figure out what we're gonna do after that we've got time
1: to to figure all that out but we've tonight we've been talking and huh? we've been talking about what to do next we have we're, we're not have gonna been, give it away we have been talking We've been talking about some it there's good too, stuff in really, the really, really good some really good ideas
0: yeah. being batted around so it's yeah, gonna be great Here, co- there's is that is that Denise Cook coming That's that Denise is Denise Cook y'all welcome Denise, Denise Cook let us all right, there she is. We're a family. We love yeah, each other. That's right. Deanna's wearing red tonight. That's Mark, right. Mark uh, Woods is here, ladies and gentlemen. Red. Uh, that reminds me, what happens this Saturday, guys? Men's breakfast. Hey, man, look at that. We hadn't Men's even breakfast. announced it. it. It's programmed hey, in there. Yes, They're ready it is, for it. It
1: is. Actually, he timed his entrance, so he told me he didn't. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm, I'm just totally joking.
0: He probably did do
1: that. <laughs> He's a so. smart guy. All right, well, we've got here
0: looking at Ephesians. Um got you some pictures in here. Did anybody know what that is? That is the Ephesian amphitheater is what that is, the ruins of the Ephesian amphitheater, okay? So they used to have like music and plays and those types of things back in the ancient times. That's a different view of the, uh, of the amphitheater. One of them looked from, th- from the other way, and I don't know the, the, uh, where the north, south, east, and west is, I don't, I don't know, but that's from the, another perspective. So your background on Ephesians, Ephesians was written from Rome, and is the first in the order of the prison epistles. Uh, can you name the prison epistles right quick? Come on, Southern Baptists. Well, you got there's-
1: one for sure. Name it. Yeah. Ephesians. Ephesians. Hey, man, these guys are sharp. That's right. <laughs> All right, I love l- it.
0: let's see if you and I can do it. So it's uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Yes. So there's four. So remember that. What are they called again? The prison epistles, the letters that were written where? While Paul was in prison. So he had a lot of time on his hands, right? Should we also say 2 Timothy? You would pull that one. Maybe. <laughs> um, yes, 2 Timothy is, is definitely his last will and testament. That was like the going to death he was facing martyrdom, yeah. for, for sure, mm-hmm. so... Uh, yes, yeah, so prison epistles. So, so it's, it's just interesting that some of his uh, deepest, richest theology uh, was written while he was in jail. So what do most people do when they're in jail? Complain, "Why me?" This kind of thing. What did Paul do? Rejoiced and wrote some of the richest theology the Bible has in the New Testament. So that's. A, I mean, it produced a, a verse
1: that we all love and know so well. I can do what? All things to Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. Yep. Right. That wasn't, he wasn't talking about throwing a football like Tim Tebow, right? He was talking about being in prison and being content in Christ. <laughs> right. So he wasn't doing the Tebow. So that's, that's, right. that's not what he was doing.
0: Dr. Stringfellow here gives you some background. Uh, we, we won't go to all this background, but you, you can do this in your own time if you'd like. He kind of shows you the direction in the book of Acts and how he, how he got here. So Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to enter Asia where Ephesus was the center in Acts 16.6. He was called by a vision to where? Who's ever heard that terminology, the Macedonian vision? You ever heard that terminology? That's, that's what he's talking about here. This would have been the book of Acts. And what happened was Paul saw, uh, saw a, a vision of the Macedonian man. And of course, the big debate is, who was the Macedonian man? And we don't know. Some people think it was Jesus. Other people think it was somebody else. We, we just don't know who the... Do you know who... who what, what theory no. have you heard? I, I, I don't have a good theory okay. on. It. Okay. I mean I don't either. <laughs> yes, all right, what's your theory? Do we really do we want to hear Jim Winchester's theory? <laughs> yes, of
1: course. Okay.
0: What's your theory, Jim? I think it was the keeper of the prison. The jailer?
1: The, the jailer. Philippian jailer,
0: okay. All right.
1: All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The ball fell down. He was
0: kill yeah.
1: yeah. They yep, yep. Do okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm gonna tell you what y'all. We got to give, give. Yeah, Jerry that was Inchester. pretty good. I mean, that's that, pretty good. That was that was a theological. What we call in theological circles a, a theological treatise is what that was called. I like theological so, too. You like that? Theological, new you right you like there. That? I like well, that. Just, the Trinity three. I've been, been onto tongue- on something. I've been tongue twisted all day. I don't it's know okay, why. Man. I think it's I think it's twenty years of marriage is what's done it to me. Maybe made me, <laughs> me tongue twisted.
1: Yeah, Shelby's anniversary today. Give it up for him too. Two zero two zero two
0: zero. Yeah. Yep. All right. So he was led by the Spirit into Europe as far as Corinth. After which he returned by way of Ephesus. Okay, that's Acts eighteen nineteen. He was so impressed that he promised to return as he did on his third missionary journey, and then he stayed there. How long? Two years longer than any other place in Acts 198 through10, so that's the background to the Ephesian church. Now that's, that's not in here, and I don't think he, I don't remember him saying this, but there was also another well-known apostle that spent a lot of time in Ephesus. Who knows who that is? The apostle that Jesus loved, John, yes. He was at Ephesus for, for a long time before he went to exile, okay? Uh, oh, there's a picture there, too. Now, that's a library, and I can't remember the name of the library. It was named after a, a man, but that right there is the ruins of an ancient library that's in Ephesus. So, Ephesus was a pretty impressive city mm-hmm. in the ancient time, pretty impressive city, okay? Uh, read 1 Corinthians sixteen 8, and 9. I put it in here for you. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, how interesting is that? Think about what Paul just said there. A wide door of effective work has opened for me, but at the same time, what does he have? I'm serious. Aha! So, any genuine work of the gospel always has what? Adversaries. Yep. Always. Opposition, yep. Always. And what do we never want to be? adversaries to the gospel, exactly. We don't want to be adversaries. We don't want to be causing problems and inhibiting the gospel from functioning, inhibiting churches from having unity, inhibiting the, the teachings of, of the gospel. Yeah. We want to be helping it, not hurting it. Okay? But the fact of the matter is is that if you
1: have true gospel teaching and preaching, you're going to have people that do not like it, that don't want to be around it, and that attack it and try to destroy it. Yeah, because it's a neat interaction because he comes to these Ephesians. Uh, he finds these people and uh, you know they're trying. They have some semblance of, of Christianity, uh, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Remember, and he's saying, he's saying, you know, uh, what what baptism were you baptized in? He says the baptism of John. He says, no, you know, we need to baptize you in Christ. Uh, and so he starts preaching and teaching the gospel, and some listen. But then the hecklers come along, right? Mm-hmm. And they start heckling, and so they, they remove themselves, and he continues to preach and teach and, and amasses a Gentile audience Exactly, that listens to the gospel.
0: So we also know by the testimony of Scripture that Paul loved this church, even in the face of great opposition. Yeah. Uh, his last meeting, and I'll tell you what, just, just for the fun of it, let's go there, because, oh, yeah. the, because the words he says here, uh, I absolutely love and have actually preached on this uh, from time to time uh, through the years. But in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38, this is when he gives, uh, he says goodbye to the Ephesian elders. He says, um, I'm going to start in 18. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. You hear that? It's kind of scary to think about. You spent two years with him. You've come to love Paul, but now he's leaving and he knows that he will never see some of these people again. Therefore, I testify to you this day. Listen to these words very carefully. I am innocent of the blood of all of you for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So what is he saying there? Absolutely. Yeah. We it's our job as gospel ministers to preach to you the truth of the scriptures. Whether you receive it or not is not our responsibility. It's yours and God's, okay? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Just another word for pastors. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Listen to this very carefully. I mean, this is scary stuff. I know that after my departure, what does he say next? Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them therefore be alert remembering that for 3 years i did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears and now i commend you to god and to the by the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified yes yeah, stuff. You mean, what did he write? Yeah.
1: The, Quite well, a bit of the New Testament. Yeah, we,
0: we <laughs> refer to them as the, as the Pauline Epistles. And the Pauline Epistles begin with Romans, okay? And if you just take your Bible and just flip through, all these letters he wrote except for... Um, Let's see. Uh, they don't know about Hebrews. We, we're not sure. <laughs> we're not sure about Hebrews. And well, I'll tell you, the easy way to just tell you is that the other ones will bear somebody else's name. Peter wrote Peter. All right? James wrote James. So all the other ones are, are from Paul.
1: Just think of it that way. Okay? Yeah. That it? Yeah. Starting, starting, at, Romans yeah. starting mm-hmm. at Romans. Yeah. Starting at Romans. Yeah. Starting at and, Romans. And all, and
0: all of his letters were written to churches except the ones that were written to individuals, first and second Timothy and Titus. So he went into an area, and he planted churches, and then he left that area, and he would get word that certain things were happening in those churches. And then he wrote letters, and he had couriers take those letters back to the churches to be read publicly in the church. In where? In prison, Uh, just arrested for causing trouble with the gospel. Yeah, he was persecuted for preaching the truth. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of people, a lot of Christians that go, That like I remember back in the 70s when, when abortion was first legalized in the, in the early to mid-70s, and you, had, you would have Christians go down there and form uh, arm-locked lines around abortion clinics to try to prevent people from going there. The police would come and arrest them all and put them in jail. Uh, that, that's, that's how, that, stuff like that. Yeah. He would be preaching against the Temple of Artemis and, and preaching against idolatry. And he would cause people who were making money off the idolatry to get angry, and they would accuse him of, you know, of, of you know, teaching false doctrine or something, or, you know, they would pay money to certain magistrates to get them to go down there and arrest him and put him in jail. Things like that. Yeah. His arrest originated in Jerusalem. He go back to Jerusalem. He, he, he got persecuted everywhere he went. I, 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 I don't know that we will ever know how many times he was in jail. I'm, fa- I'm fairly sure they, they took him to see Festus and to Agrippa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was the, yes, yes. Okay, all right. There's another, no, that right there are the ruins that are still there to this day of the Temple of Artemis, okay? And then I've got the picture of the, like a rendering, an artist rendering of the Temple of Artemis, and that would have been what it looked like in its heyday was the Temple of Artemis. Now, Artemis was the goddess of hunting, I think. I think so. Or the goddess. She was a goddess right. of, of something. She, they, every time you saw her, she had a bow and a, and a, and a hunting dog with her, pretty much. Uh, sounds like our kind of woman, right? I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> a joke, y'all. That is, that, is a, that is a joke, everybody. It's just a joke. So, the central message is blessed be. I'm just trying to make y'all laugh so you're paying attention. And Mark was, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. According as, he hath cho- according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Let's read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Good place for an amen if everybody wants to yeah. throw one out there. Okay. You know, it's all just, right.
1: this book is just so rich, talking about what Christ has done. Paul really is displaying and shining forth. This is, this is all of the benefits and the beauties of, of what Christ accomplished and did on the cross. And these are the blessings that come forth from the cross, from the cross and the resurrection. And you see that uh, one thing we're going to get to is racial tension, is destroyed, it's demolished. This is just one blessing that we see coming out of the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but he lists, even in chapter one, so many blessings that come out of that. Um, we we receive new identities in Christ and these types of things. But, um, you know, another one that I thought was really interesting uh, that I had not caught before mm-hmm. when I was reading through Ephesians was just love. Um, you, you hear time and time again, the love of Christ. Uh, you see grandiose language used for... The way Christ loves us, that he lavished his mercies upon us. You see that in chapter one. And later, again, it talks about his gracious love. Um, and then we are called to, in Christ as new creatures, we are called to put on that same kind of love and to love others. Um, so although I don't think it's the main theme, I do think it's it's close to the center and the heart of, obviously, what Christ accomplished on the cross, why he went to the cross out of love, right? We can say there was other motivations in there, yeah. but um, out of love for us, out of love for the Father, um, and because He did that, the impetus for us is that we are called to love one another, uh, just as Christ loved the church. So, yeah. uh, so I think you see that kind of woven in yeah. within Ephesians as well. So, yeah, the, um, don't don't lose sight of of the
0: fact that that your salvation uh, is something that is that is like eternal, y'all, y'all, y'all do understand that, right? I know it's hard for us to get our mind around eternity, but it's something that happened in eternity past, and that's a really hard thing for us to get our mind around, okay? Our salvation goes all the way to eternity past and all the way to eternity future, okay? Uh, it was, it was sealed it was sealed the day that, Cal, that, that Christ died on Calvary's cross that's what this passage is saying he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world so before any of this was set in motion the plan of salvation was already planned out that's what I'm trying to tell you y'all understand that it's incredibly difficult to grasp and it makes a lot of people incredibly uncomfortable to hear I've never understood why I've never understood why uh, uh, because to me, that's where my assurance for salvation is, is to know that it's in God's hands and not mine. Amen?
1: Because right.
0: if it's in my hands, I can promise you I'm going to lose it. Yes, Denise? Yes. I agree. See, that, see, that's the way I think about it too, Denise. I think that they're very comforting words. But, but to some, the thought that this happened, that this began outside of our life and time, is just deeply troubling to some people. And I don't understand, to me it's incredibly comforting, but to others it's, it's very discomforting. So I yeah. just like to emphasize that whenever this high, because this eternal security of the believer election, however you want to, to describe that theology, this is one of the, the most important, highest doctrines in the scripture. Uh, you will hear Baptists say this phrase all the time. Once saved, finish it for me. Once right, saved. okay. That, that phrase catches a lot of flack in today's culture, okay. There's nothing wrong with that statement because if you are truly born again, you will always be born again. So if you are truly saved then you're always saved, what happens is, is that you have people running around saying they're saved, that, that what? They're not saved. And so they're saying they're saved. They're self-deluded. And the Bible teaches that very clearly in multiple places. And so they're living a life that is not reflective of the Scripture. But yet they're saying that to everybody when they live. And so it's brought transgression upon that statement. But the statement itself, according to Scripture, is absolutely true. And this is one of the proof texts behind it. So we as Baptists, one of the reasons why I'm Baptist and one of the reasons why you're Baptist and all of us are Baptist is that we believe that mankind are sinners, right? And that outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope for us. And, And within Jesus Christ, if we truly come to him, if we have truly come to him in repentance and faith and been born again by his spirit, that cannot be
1: taken away. Cannot be taken away. Case in point, I mean, verse 13 in chapter 1, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now look, I mean, maybe a human seal can be broken. God's seal cannot. When he seals you with his Holy Spirit, he stamps you. When he saves your soul, he is not going to let go of his children. Um, he, and, and here's the thing too: we, we don't serve a fickle God. Uh, we are fickle people. You know, sometimes we can't decide what what color T-shirt we want to wear. I mean, we hardly can. Each day we live, and move, and have our being. So, but mm. God is not fickle. He, when He makes the decision, it's made. That's right for eternity. And He's so the same have, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So, we have security in Him. And, and yep. one other verse I wanted to read just real quickly in, in chapter 1 that is just so mm-hmm. profound. and kind of comes back to what I was saying. Yeah, but tell us which one was uh, Yeah, it's chapter 1, verse 7, and just uh, following into 8 there. Mm-hmm. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. I just love that language. His grace is not just grace, it's rich. Hmm. And he goes on, which he, what does that word say? <laughs> Lavished. It, not, not stingily, you know, eked out a little drop, right? <laughs> That's not what, what's the picture of lavishing? Pouring. Pouring, right? You know, do you guys remember the ice bucket challenge? Right, y'all remember seeing those on videos? and it's just, I mean, it's like God is just like, boom, just dumping the whole bucket on you. He's lavishing us, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. You know, the, the example I've always thought about when you hear lavished is like, um,
0: have you ever like, been using your water for something, the water faucet outside, and then you go away and you get caught up in something else? And then all of a sudden, it hits you that you realize what? <laughs> you left the water on. Then you go back out. And what do you see when you walk out into the yard? Just water, man. Just water Streams. everywhere. That's, that's kind of, it's like a, to me, it's like an unexpected like just, just flood, flood of grace, you yeah. know, that he's lavished it on you, you know, it's yeah. just like that when you fall when you oh, out yeah. and that water's everywhere, you know, and you're like, I you don't know. Oh,
1: no. And I think something to, before we escape chapter one, I, you know, we're not escaping it, but before we have to move on, <laughs> I, I just, uh, wow, that was terrible. <laughs> he's trying Lord, help me. You sealed me, Lord, I can't escape. Okay, um, you see so much language this is, again, kind of like what Shelby was saying. The ball is in God's court. It starts there. Um, you know, it says that, and I know this, this language makes us uncomfortable, and we, have to, we all have to wrestle with what's given to us in his word. But when it says that, uh, when we we're reading that verse in verse 9 there, according, um, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Right? We're, again, we're, we're stepping into what Paul's doing here is he's praising God, first off, He's praising God for his mighty works and his will, his workings in the world. I mean Paul is just flabbergasted that God would do something this magnificent toward rebellious sinners that are running away from him mm-hmm. and he says that we, I chose you, I predestined you, I called you he is, he is, God is extending his gracious love and lavishing it upon us I mean it's, it's incredible it, it really it really is.: Yeah it really is I'm working my. Verses 3 through 13 as the eight blessings, the eight blessings of God through Jesus Christ. Mm. We got these blessings. God gave them to us through Jesus. Yeah. And I have you know, I've got, he chose us. He predestined us. Yeah. He, uh, he accepted us. He, mm. redeemed, he, he redeemed us. Mystery of himself. his will. Was, he gave us that. We, inherit, we get an inheritance. Yeah, that, amen. Yeah. That Jesus has, we get. Right, amen, right. You know, that, that, that is so strong. co right.
0: You know, and, and I think the people just need to hear that. Yeah, that, that's, that's why when you hear, amen. you know, when you hear talk about inheritance in the scripture, or a father leaving an inheritance to a child, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a worldly inheritance if he leaves you some form of wealth. But the supra- like inheritance is the faith and Jesus and the riches of the eternal kingdom. I mean, that's that's well, truly you know where it is. I
1: tell you, and then I, you know we're not going to escape chapter one, by the way, because we're <laughs> going to go right back into it. But anyway, um, I the the language heirs mm-hmm. I mean, I still there there are there are things. I mean, you can call yourself a pastor all day long, but there are things you are not going to totally wrap your mind around. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you're Charles Spurgeon. Like, you're not going to be able to fully wrap your mind uh, around what it means that you are going to inherit equally. You're a co-heir with Christ. And he is getting, now, now look, it's his authority. He's giving it. We're not, we're not demanding it. He's lavishing it upon us, right? It's his, mm-hmm. it's his will to be able to do that. But he's saying, hey, everything that's mine, here you go. Yep. <laughs> Yep. It's, a, it's amazing, and yep. I still, like, sometimes I'm like, Lord, really? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, it almost is so loving, it's, like, uncomfortable a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. have to take it back 3 4, and mentioning
0: predestination. What do we say or believe in predestination?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That take that too far. Sure, they, right. so we don't have to do Right, well, yeah. You're talking about hyper-Calvinism? Yeah, we don't believe that. I mean, no. I mean there, there's,
0: um, you just have to, there's no easy answer for that. I mean, you just have to balance it out with the other passages in the Scripture. Uh, if 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 it's if it's all already set and all already worked out, then why does Jesus tell us to go and make disciples of all nations? Why do we have a mission mandate? Why why are we told that faith coming through hearing and hearing the word of God? Yeah. So it's it's uh, and again you, you can you can make a difference. that's why those two positions. Uh, historically, in church history, have been have been so combative and so difficult because there is ample scripture that points to the missionary objective and man's responsibility, which you would you could say right. choice. And then there's ample scripture on the other side that says that, that it's predestined. So, so the answer is the is a balance of both of those positions. And the way that I've always liked to explain it is is that election is God's view of things, and man's responsibility is our view of things. I mean, God God, God God, calls, we answer, we have a human responsibility, but yet God
1: is the one that's in control of it. So yeah, you, you can't, you, I, in this conversation, I say you can't have your cake and eat it too. Um, and what I mean by that is you can't have a God that is completely sovereign. Um, he knows the future, right? Uh, he understands the future. He knows the future. No, none of that escapes him. Uh, and so, first off, and, what, and, and really, we'll just dissect it this way for you. Um, the two uh, orthodox views, now hear me when I say that, the orthodox views, which means they are accepted within uh, in evangelicalism. Uh, obviously the one that a lot of people hate is Calvinism and the other route is Arminianism. Um, now what Arminians say is that, just a little lesson here and we'll move on, sorry. No, you're um, fine. What Arminians say is they say that God foresees into the future, uh, he sees the decisions that we will make. Um, and so, based off of that, he chose a set, you know, mold of how the world would be. And, he, and and that's what he went with. And so, he saw, for instance, that Jack would receive Christ. And that he would make that decision. Um, now, the Calvinists, what the Calvinists say is, and this is, this text, traditionally, probably, a Calvinist would go to more than an Arminian. It kind of leans toward that a little bit more. You have the words predestination, he chose, that kind of thing. What what a Calvinist would say is, uh, God chose, before the foundation of the world, he he chose Jack. And he said, I'm, I'm saving Jack, you know. Uh, and then that would play out through his decreed plan, uh, you know, into the future. So, I will say this, both of those, uh, this is uncomfortable to say, but both of those are within, within orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, we gotta love each other, right? I mean, if, if someone's Arminian and someone's a Calvinist, we can, you can sit at the same table, because here's what I would say. Both of those views, they both love Jesus. Both of those people, they both love Christ uh, and want to exalt Christ. Um, You know, Arminians, Calvinists, traditionally, the ones who are sold out for Jesus, are some of your most, uh, uh, are some of your most, your biggest evangelists in history. You know, Charles Spurgeon would be on the Calvinist end, and that guy was one of the greatest evangelists of all all time. Mm -hmm. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And, you know, you've got, you know, loads, Frank Turek, a guy uh, today, a more modern day guy. He is a great evangelist, yeah. just one of the first ones I thought of. Uh, mm-hmm. You probably name a few other ones. I mean, Frank Turek was the one that came to my mind, but guys who get up in front of people, they share the faith, mm-hmm. um, and they love Christ. The, but, the, I would say the most important thing
0: is, is, is to not to not obsess yeah. over either position. That is not healthy, uh, and, and, that, and that's where people get in trouble, is they obsess with choice, 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 choice. Choice, you know? Or mm-hmm. they obsess with election, 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 election. Election, right? No, it's both and if they are both true. Both, they are. I mean, it's, yeah. it's. I think the scripture is very clear on that, and and I have done battle with with both sides, <laughs> yeah. and I have never really had a problem with either position. I mean, the, the two scriptures that I go to, this one would be perfect uh, for an election passage, or in John, uh, the, the Father must draw us, uh, you know, to yeah. to the gospel, which means the, the which means God draws us to the gospel. Uh, but the other one is faith cometh how? Right. Through hearing. Right. If we don't have to hear the gospel, then there is no choice. But we have to hear the gospel. Therefore, there must be a human what? Response, Response to the gospel. So yeah. So it's not it, it, it's there doesn't need to be a fight. Yes, Brandon? So in other words,
1: god got play, He's to got got yeah, sure, yeah. that's a good way
0: to put it. Let me yeah. let me give you one text. Did I scare y'all slamming this? I'm sorry. I, was I mean, just you got trying, my. You got I was my just trying. Was just was trying decided, to make up. I was just going. trying. To, I was just trying to get your attention. <laughs> um, th- this is a passage. Uh, you know, John MacArthur is a is a Calvinist, uh, and yeah, who knows who John MacArthur is? Richard? Oh, everybody. Okay. I mean, yeah. most anybody that studies the Bible, that that takes the Bible seriously respects John MacArthur's preaching because he preaches straight through the text, okay? Here is a passage, one time he was asked this question, and this is the scripture that he went to to show in the Bible, five verses apart, both positions supported by God's word. This is in Acts chapter um, 13, if you want to go there. Acts chapter 13, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we'll begin in verse uh, Verse 46. And what happens here is, is that Paul and Barnabas have gone to a, have gone to, they were guest speakers at a, at a synagogue, which is, consists mostly of what? What does a synagogue consist mostly of? Jews, okay? They went there the first day and they spoke, no big deal. Uh, The next day they went there and they spoke and there was a huge, huge crowd there, okay? And a bunch of Gentiles were there. And so the Jews got jealous uh, because, uh, because Paul and Barnabas' preaching was so effective that brought a whole bunch of Gentiles, because that synagogue probably hadn't seen Gentiles in years. But Paul and Barnabas come in town, all of a sudden you got two Jewish men preaching, and Gentiles are responding. So they got jealous. So if you look right here, verse 46, chapter X, 13, verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, now, well, let me, let me back up. What happens is the Jews get incredibly jealous, and they begin to verbally abuse Paul and Barnabas. Okay, because of what's going on there. So, this is what happens. So, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, Jews, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, which you could put another substitute, another word in there. What would that be? Choose, Since you choose to thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, believed so in one in one phrase you have jews of their own free will doing what to the gospel rejecting it okay free will rejection but then you have three verses later you have gentiles believing in faith and the scripture says they were what for eternal life do you see that in just a few verses you
1: have choice represented and you have election represented. And one other, just one other yeah. passage and then we'll move on because we got to. But Genesis uh, 50, my, my favorite place to go with this because it really, and this is really what Shelby mentioned, this passage, it's, it, it's saying the same thing about God's sovereignty here uh, pretty much. But uh, Genesis 50, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says this. As for you, this is Joseph talking to his brothers because they're terrified that, you know, he's going to kill them now. He's still in charge. He's going to slaughter them because their dad's dead. And uh, this is what Joseph says to them. As for you, you meant evil against me. So, who was responsible for their evil, Joseph is saying? Them. They were. The brothers were responsible for their evil. They were acting freely of their own accord, but... God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, now notice that he's not saying God turned it into good. We like to use that language sometimes like, oh, buddy, man, I fell in a mud pit, but God turned it into something good later, man. I made some mud pies and had some fun. No, that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is that the same instance, the same moment, that uh, Joseph's brothers said, hey, we're gonna throw him in a pit and kill him. Uh, and then they said, well, we'll just sell him into slavery and be done with him. God decreed that same moment that he was gonna use that moment in their evil actions for good. It's not saying he forced them. Understand, do you hear that? He, they were acting of their own accord, their free will. And yet he said, I'm using the same moment that I have decreed in my plan to bring about the salvation of many. Now, salvation here means not you know salvation as it means in the acts text but but what he means here is saving of life because you know the grain and the wheat and all that that they collected so um very hard to understand you know we're never going to and here's the thing at the end of the day me and joe because she's got her masters in at seminary we talk about this all the time she's way smarter than me and i say ephesians one what is paul doing at the end of the day. He's talking about chosenness, foreknowledge, predestination, those, those words are used, but what is he doing? Do you, take a guess. He's okay, preaching. There's, there's another P word I'm thinking of. Praising. He's praising God for who he is. He's not arguing, he's not fussing, he's not having a theological treatise. that you know. He's, he, well, it is kind of, to a certain degree, but he's praising God. He's so, he's so exuberant and excited, This is, isn't this the text that's one long run-on sentence? This is it, isn't it? Several of them. 14 verses of just, you know, a grammar teacher would just have a heart attack. I mean, he's just like going on and on. And they're like, wow, run-on sentence maybe? I mean, he's just like (laughs) going to town because he's like, God is so stinking good. I mean, that's what he's saying. Um, So, before we fight over this and and, and get to that point, let's remember to praise God for who he is. So, 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 bottom line on the whole question that that, that George asked. Thank you so
0: much, George, for that Good question.
1: question. Um, you, 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 <laughs> what you, twenty minutes later? Well, well,
0: <laughs> well, it's the you know it's the century-old question, you know, free will or or uh, election, and it's and it just just you can let it drive you completely crazy. Don't let it drive you crazy. You're you're never going to have in all my years of study. On both sides, you're you're never going to have a satisfactory answer on that that lays it to rest in your mind forever, and I believe that's purposely designed by God that way to force you to continue to study and to take it upon faith. Um, so just remember that. I mean, it, it's I mean s- something of our faith must be mysterious. Amen. And, and, and that's one of those things. Your, your salvation, how, how Christ's death on the cross 2,000 years ago saves us today mm. by hearing words of truth and believing. That, that's a, just a miracle of God yeah. that we are never going to completely understand. Yeah. And there is, there is no, Paul would say it's irreverent babble and causing gangrene and ruining the hearers and the speakers. If you get into this sick, twisted, nonstop debate try, trying to figure all this stuff out, some of this has to be taken on faith and leave it there. Trinity falls into that. Incarnation falls into that. Election falls into that. There's several several deep theologies in the scripture that fall
1: into that. You ain't gonna fully understand them as a human being this side of heaven, period. And the only thing I would add to that, because me and Shelby... You would add to that? uh, One thing, one caveat to that. (laughs) Man! Sorry, George, man. I'm blaming George. It's George's fault. (laughs) Uh, I would add to that, we care deeply about theology. and, And we know that you guys do too. We talk about these things. And I would just encourage you, don't allow... Uh, the traditional viewpoints of, these, of this conversation to dictate how you're going to approach the word. Don't allow, and this is what I mean by this. Uh, let's go back to that word predestination. That word scares a bunch of people. And so when they read uh, Ephesians chapter one and they start reading and they see the word predestination, they're like, oh, uh, 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 Ephesians chapter two. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, you know, read it. Enjoy it, study it, let it bother you. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Right? I mean, Just like I, Revelation does. Amen. Oh, you know, the one that did me was Romans nine. And I and I had to dig and weep and you know, I, I had never run across a chapter like that. And it blew my world up, and I I had to wrestle with the text and try. That's a part of my testimony, and I had to just. And I was like going to Christians, like, "Have you read Romans chapter nine?" <laughs> and they were like, "And they were like, oh, what are you talking about, Colton? You're crazy. You know, you're taking the word seriously. What? You know.'" So, um, but but don't allow it to, and, and two, don't allow the traditions of the past to give you a a, a bias, you know, a, a, a bias that you didn't earn, right? Uh, knowledge that you didn't earn. Earn it for yourself. Get in there, dig in, uh, and come to your own conclusions. Make sure they're healthy ones. You can talk to your pastors. We're a little crazy, but we're not. That, that and I got to hand it to you. That was a good follow-up. I got to cool. admit, I'm okay. glad you
0: said it. I All right, Ephesians. All right, now, if we don't hurry up. <laughs> gotta go, to go. have We're gonna turn two Wednesdays <laughs> into three, amen? Okay. I thank Goodness you, thank you, Tony. Thank you. All right. All right. This is the doctrinal structure: chapters one through three. This is the how he divided the book: our heavenly calling one through three, and our earthly conduct four through six. Four through six. So it's really very simple. The first three chapters are the theology: who we are in Jesus. The last three chapters are how should that
1: look in our life as Christians? Okay. Hey, look! I'll take this one. I'll go fast. Okay. You'll never know what hit you. Okay. All right. the uh, The church. Uh, the church is a body. Okay, and I love how he does this. Paul begins with a great uh, pouring of praise for our possessions in Christ. And that's kind of what Jack was talking about, the eight. I think he comes up with 13. Uh, We are in Christ. I love that. And and I think you just need to say this along in your head. Uh, You can say it out loud if you want. But we are in Christ. Uh, Verse one, we are blessed... With spiritual Spiritual blessings. blessings. Three, uh, he has chosen us in him. Four, uh, the adoption of us by Jesus Christ. Adoption, man, we are adopted as children, his children. We are accepted in the beloved, verse six. uh, We have redemption through his blood. He shed his blood to save us from our sin. Uh, We have the forgiveness of sins, verse seven. uh, He has made known the mystery of his will, verse nine. He will gather together in one all things in Christ, verse 10. We have obtained an inheritance in him, verse 11. We are the praise of his glory, verse 12. Man, that language. We are the praise of his glory. Can you believe he's done this for us? We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, verse 13. We are guaranteed this, the uh, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, uh, verse 14 there. Beautiful. Which is just so incredible. Yeah, keep going, man. Um, yeah, right. Paul continues uh, in a prayer for knowledge and power, and that's in 15 through 23, which, do you have that listed there? I give it to us. Uh, I do not. I mean, it's just, it's really good. He
0: gave you parts of it there in verse 17 and 18. But uh, but you could, I mean, we could read it. Let's, here, I'll read it for us. You want to read it? Yeah, I'm going to read uh, chapter 1, beginning verse 15. For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. By the way, have any of y'all ever heard the song Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord? Mm. That's the verse that it it comes from right there. Different translation, but that's where that song comes from and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church,
1: which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Wow. And I think that this is why we see the the charge to abide in Christ. We're called to abide in Christ. and, And the more I think that we gaze at this glorious Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the more boldness and power and confidence we have in Him, uh, the closer we draw near to Him, the more of that we get. And I, I just, it's, it's amazing. Exactly. We'll, we'll yep. go ahead and pass through this since yeah. we just read all that. All right, so um, chapter
0: two, the church is the household of God. Do you think of yourself that way? that you're the, that, this, that this is the household of God? Think about that, which means we're what technically? Family. We're technically family. Yeah. And and actually, and it's it's weird to think of it this way, but, but but your church family really supersedes your blood family. And why would that be? Because your church family now now if your if your blood family is also Christians, that even that makes it even better. But your spiritual family supersedes all else. Because we no longer the scripture says, I believe in Galatians or Corinthians, I can't remember which word he says it, but we no longer refer to Christ in the flesh. We, we no longer refer to one another in the flesh. We refer to, refer to one another how? In the spirit. Because yep. if I refer to you in the flesh, David Fleming's just some dude that called me up here from Tennessee, from Mississippi, right? But if he's my brother in Christ, if, if I'm going to refer to him as a spirit, this is a family, then David Fleming is my brother in Christ. He's not just David Fleming, he's a brother in Christ. Do y'all see the difference? There's a, there's a huge difference there, Yeah, okay? absolutely. All right, so the household of God, the new condition in Christ is verses one through 10. The first three verses we see our condition before we were saved. So it gives you kind of the bad news first, then gives you the good news in this chapter two. And so he says, we're dead in trespasses and sin. Now, where does the death come from? Where does he, what's he talking about? Where does, he, where does the death come from? Adam and, Eve. Adam and Eve, all right, Genesis, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's why you hear me say that at funerals all the time. Because that's the explanation for the casket and for the burial. The reason why we die, the reason why we are headed toward the grave is because of what happened in Genesis with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. God made us the creation perfect and then sin brought death into the world. Yep. And so, even though we're walking around, but Ephesians goes one step further. Ephesians tells us that even though we're walking around alive, right? We're alive, are we not? He tells us we're what in trespasses and sin? Right. We're dead men and women walking. Why? Because before we come to Jesus, we're spiritually
1: dead. Yeah, Spiritually dead. And and I think that this is important because... Sometimes I'll hear people and we'll talk about testimonies and that kind of thing. And just, just so you know, when we're talking about a testimony, when a pastor asks you about your testimony, we don't want you to just hop right to just say, Jesus, you know, like <laughs> you don't have to do that right away. But man, just like, just like Paul here, take a note from Paul. Paul exalted Christ again and again and again. He tells the Corinthians, I knew nothing among you. I made it my goal to know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so this certainly should be the centerpiece uh, of our testimony. Now, we'll have a testimony that's ongoing after that, and you should be telling stories about what Christ is doing in your life after that. But what must I do to be saved? Well, it's Christ and trusting in Him. Uh, uh, I-, I love this statement. Uh, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Mm. He came to bring dead people to life. Yep. And that's, that's the distinction. <clears throat> I don't remember who difference. said that, but I, I've heard that all my life, all my Christian life. I have no idea who said it, though. Yeah, it's, it's a good statement.
0: Yeah. So, so we were dead spiritually apart from God. We walked according to the course of this world. Uh, the children of disobedience in verse 2. Uh, that was the, um, the uh, Easter message that the Lord compelled me to preach this past Easter was children of wrath out, out, of, out of this very passage here. It says, among whom, I'm, I'm in chapter 2, verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the, mess, like the rest of mankind. The Spirit now works in unbelievers. By the way... Um, what kind of spirit is at work with unbelievers? What spirit is it okay what what keep keep talking spirit of disobedience, but specifically, what spirit is it? Uh, the apostle John tells us about it
1: well yes yeah.
0: absolutely yes, yes if you 're not the spirit of Christ, what spirit are you absolutely, absolutely, okay. All right, the church is the household of God, the new condition in Christ. We lived in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. But at verse 4, at verse 4, there is a break, and it begins with the word what? But God, right? big buts of Scripture. Big buts of Scripture, exactly. But God. All right, so our new condition is stated in Four characteristics. Four characteristics. He had quickened us together with Christ. Now, quickened is a, you don't see that word too much. I think it's King James. I don't think you would see that. Uh, What does the ESV say? Um, Let's see. Made us alive. What is your verse? What does your Bible say? Verse five. Anything different than made us alive? If you look at, but God being rich in mercy, if you look at verse four, chapter two, verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, the King James has quickened us together. What is it, Any other Bible say anything different? No, nothing different. Okay. Then God has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, are we, so is he saying we're sitting in heaven right now? That's exactly what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. I mean, in the flesh, we're sitting right here. But as far as God's concerned, from the... Fa- now, here's what blows your mind. This is what people don't like to hear. Okay? From the foundation of the world, does God know whether you're going to be in heaven and hell? Yeah. Absolutely. So from the foundation of the world, God sees all the way to the end of eternity into the heavenlies. And he knows whether you're going to be there or not. And so, technically, to God, He can say we're already where, seated in the heavens. Chuck, does that mean that we do
1: not truly have choice in our life? No, no. That is not what that well, means. Well, no, in the sense of of we have we have choice, we have free will. Is that what you were at? Yes, We have choice. Yes, you yes. absolutely do. And and that look, look, don't 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 go
0: there. You're, you're, you're bordering to the obsession mind. I can see it happening right now. Don't do that. Don't do that. Relax in the beauty of the fact that you don't have to understand that. Okay? Okay. Tony, you were going to say something? Jim, you were going to say something? We've got to be in heaven because it says if we're in Christ we and Christ, Christ is in us, Christ is in heaven. Right. In heaven. Right. Well, like I said, this is the stuff that, that you know, people, okay. people sit out there and they,
1: go ahead. Oh my goodness man I've got something that just kind of like clicked in my mind. Right, well, let us let Jim okay, go first. Let, him, let Jim go, go first. And, and,
0: then, and then it's it's 655. Man, so we are just go slackers ahead. tonight. the world. in the Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's Right, but not of the world. And that's why Luther, one of his most incredible sayings was that we are a saint, yet what? Saint, yet sinner. Which means we got one foot in this world, and where's the other foot? Exactly. Paul said the same thing with no matter what I do, sin is with me. So there's a law that even though I'm walking in my mind to do what's right with God, I always do what I Indwelling sin because we are in, we carry around with us a what? A body that is doing what? That is dying. We, we live in a body of sin. The, the body that we're in right now is Adamic. You know what I mean by that? It, it, it is reflective of Adam. It is regenerated by who? Christ. Christ. So the inner man is renewed every day, like Paul says in Corinthians. But the, out, the outer man is doing what? Wasting away. That's why we struggle with sin. Yeah. Right? Did any of y'all sin today? Was it just me? Okay. We sin because of what Jim just said. Because we have an Adamic nature in our flesh that will not be regenerated until we die and our spirit is released and at the second coming, when that spirit comes back, what happens to our flesh? It is married back to our soul And in the twinkling of an eye, Paul says our body is supernaturally translated into the same exact body that who had at his resurrection. That is why those teachings are so important. That is why it is not necessarily always correct to say, I'm a soul winner. Because are you just saving the soul? No, you're saving the whole body. The whole body is saved because the soul departs. But the soul comes back and is reunited with the body so that
1: you're really saving the whole man. So, Yeah, I really love this. this? I want to hear it. No, yeah, yeah. It was something that just clicked into place. I've always had, um, this is one of those passages that I've wrestled with a lot. What does Paul mean here? I'm glad that you raised the question. Being raised up together uh, with him, this reality that's, Seems like it's already presently true of us, and I think about it. Well, actually, my mind went to uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six, and uh, you know, thank you for walking through Hebrews because it just clicked right into place. But uh, Hebrews chapter six, verse uh, nineteen says this: "We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters. Now, listen to this: a, a hope that enters into uh, enters into the place behind the curtain." Verse 20, where Jesus has gone mm. as a forerunner on our behalf. Mm. He is our representative who has gone into the heavenly curtain. That's what he's talking about there. And he's an anchor for our soul. Uh, and so I think in one sense, yeah, thinking about that, that God foreknew that we're already there, but also in the sense that Christ is our representative, an anchor of hope for our souls, that he is already guaranteed that we'll be there. Uh, And we are in Christ, are we not? So in a sense, I take this as, uh, you know, we can take this as literally, but also figuratively in a sense, we are already there because Christ, our hope, our representative has entered into the veil uh, and he is there uh, at the right hand of the Father. And he is our guarantee because he's entered in. That's exactly what Tony was saying. Tony used the exact same vocabulary. Good job, Tony. Yep. Good job, man. All right, let's move
0: on because we got to quit. We got to quit here in two minutes. Quit time. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks for that vote of confidence. All right, so the new condition is stated in four characteristics. In the ages to come, he, God, might show the riches of his grace and kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. So we are are kind of God's bragging rights because he's showing his riches through his church. He's showing his riches to the world, and he is manifesting the manifold wisdom of his glory through his church. And who belongs to his church? Us, exactly. So by grace, you you have... By grace are ye saved through faith, for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works. So you're saved not just to hang out and drink Cokes and eat moon pies, right? You're not saved to just just hang out and just use your freedom in Christ, just do whatever you want to do every day. You are saved because you are his workmanship, And he has work for you to do, that your works might be as a light, so that people may glorify who? The Father in heaven. I was doing the the Christ Sermon on the Mount, but nobody got it, okay. This is divine grace, no human merit at all, okay? All right, let's do one more panel and we'll quit. Uh, Now Paul gives our new relationship since we changed our old condition. Paul reviews some things in our past in verses 11 through 12. We were aliens without Christ, strangers, no hope without God. That pretty much describes me before I came to Jesus for sure. In verses 13 through 18, Paul says again what? But now, but now and here is the new relationship in Christ. So here's who you were before you came to know Jesus. Jesus. <clears throat> sons of disobedience, children of wrath, passion-driven, without hope, desperate. But this is who you are now, made nigh by the blood of Christ, drawn near. Drawn near to God's presence. Mm. He is our what? Peace. As Colton mentioned earlier, he's broken down this, this middle wall of partition between us, Jew and Gentile, probably making reference to the temple and the the, uh, the different courts of the Gentiles where the Gentiles can only go so far into the, the court. He's abolished the enmity in making peace. That's beautiful. He made in himself one new man, thus destroying distinction between Jew and Gentile.
1: If we are in Christ, we are his body. And I would say out of all of it, dare I say, this was... Probably my favorite part of Ephesians. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff, man. Well, let's stop there and let's have prayer.